Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Unless you're on Twitter or are one of the alumni of this open university of the airwaves, you don't even know that the Twitter file scandal has broken. But you will, that I promise you. Some cynics say nothing will ever come of it because to a man and woman and indeterminate gender, every one of the liberal media elite is caught red-handed in the scandal and therefore will not breathe a word about it. But the Supreme Court of the United States may take a different view. That's the Supreme Court of the United States that we were told was stuffed full of Donald Trump's appointees. What am I talking about if you are just tuning in to this story? Elon Musk paid $44 billion for a $10 billion company called Twitter, on which I have spent a good deal of my time over the last couple of decades nearly. It's worth my while, or at least it was. I had built up a 400,000 following on Twitter with a mixture of sagacity and humor and a bit of personal news about my boys banging in the goals every weekend. And then the previous ownership of Twitter slapped an unwarranted label on me, which effectively accuses me every day, every time a tweet of mine is read by someone, of committing a criminal offence of working for Russian state media, which I do not do and could not do it being illegal in Britain so to do. The Associated Press show that I made for the American multinational AP and which they, not me, sold to RT was of course taken off the air when RT was banned. At that time, I had no such label. This label was applied to me after... I no longer had a show on RT. Try explaining that one in court, Mr. Musk. I know that you won't personally be there, but your agents will have to be, unless, of course, this case is settled. But much more serious things happened to other people than happened to me. One of my guests tonight, the military, diplomatic, scientific expert, Scott Ritter, was expurgated, he was expunged from Twitter for telling the truth about the Russia-Ukraine war, or at least the truth as he perceived it. Peter Hitchens of the biggest selling newspaper in Britain, the Daily Mail, Mail on Sunday, opined 
not a couple of hours ago that the Suez crisis divided Britain. Uh, the Vietnam War divided the world. The Iraq War divided the world. But it is not permitted to divide opinion on the Russia-Ukraine war. In fact, a cabinet minister said on television today that Britain's nurses must send Vladimir Putin a clear message by accepting their below inflation wage deal and therefore a cut in their standard of living. The idea that in the Kremlin, Mr. Putin is carefully watching what Britain's nurses settle for in the latest wage round or that if the nurses take a pay cut, this will be consequential to Vladimir Putin in what way is not explained. Couldn't be explained by the Conservative minister in question, Nadim Zahawi. That's the man that charged the taxpayer to heat the stables in which he kept his racehorses. A billionaire, at least a multi-millionaire, like so many in Rishi Sunak, the billionaire's cabinet. But I digress. People have been purged off Twitter altogether. But what Elon Musk did by publishing Twitter files this week, in the last couple of days, was far more serious than that. It was evidence, clear and incontrovertible, that the 2020 presidential election was stolen for Joe Biden and the Democrats. Incontrovertible in that the emails and the internal messages and chats make absolutely abundantly clear that the company before Musk took it over was receiving orders from Democratic Party panjandrums to block people, to remove people, and most crucially, to describe the Hunter Biden laptop, laptop story as Russian disinformation, a false claim that was attested to by no less than 51 former senior security and intelligence officials of the American state. But it was not Russian disinformation. Every word on the laptop turned out to be true, as has, too late, been acknowledged by the very newspapers, like the New York Times, which first branded it as Russian disinformation in the first place. So if it was not Russian disinformation, the false allegation that it was, was American disinformation. And moreover, disinformation that was being spread at the behest of one of the two main candidates in the presidential election. And when you see what was on the laptop, you know exactly why. Because if the information on the laptop had been before the American voters, before election day 2020, Joe Biden would have lost. Without a scintilla of doubt, he would have lost. Not because his son, 
is a vile, debased pervert, and all of that is uh, attested to on the laptop, including pictures taken by his own hand of him in sexually compromised situations with crack pipes in his mouth, smoking crack cocaine and cavorting with young women, some of them too young to be cavorting with him. Not for that reason, because Joe Biden could have said, I have an errant son, don't visit the sins of the son on the father. He might have claimed that. But much more seriously on the laptop was the information that Joe Biden, when vice president to Barack Obama, was up to his neck in financial corruption with foreign governments, principally the government of, you've guessed it, the Ukraine, that Joe Biden was the big guy who got a cut of the business being done in Ukraine by Hunter Biden with no qualification other than that he was the son of the Vice President of the United States. I'm talking tens of millions of dollars. And there's the big guy seeded throughout the laptop's contents. And I'm saying here now, Joe Biden can sue me if he likes that the big guy is him. We know that because we saw the big guy in action on the television ordering the Ukrainian government to sack their chief prosecutor because he was investigating the malfeasance being indulged in by Burisma an oil and gas company that was paying unaccountably Hunter Biden $100,000 a month for doing nothing. A crackhead, dishonorably kicked out of the US military, who never worked in oil and gas in his life, was getting $100,000 a month for not showing up at Burisma. And when the chief prosecutor bravely began investigating it. Joe Biden on television warned the Ukrainian government that in the dog days of the Obama administration, he would cost the Ukrainian government a billion dollars in American aid unless this chief prosecutor was sacked. The evidence on the laptop was clear, incontrovertible and would have cost Biden the election. That's why Twitter executives moved decisively into action. And it's all there in black and white. They decided falsely to brand this story as a Russian disinformation project and to expunge any reference to it in the entire three weeks before polling day in 2020. They shut down the Twitter account of the New York Post, a grand old newspaper, a legitimate part of the American journalistic landscape. They shut down their Twitter account. 
because they had broken the story about Hunter Biden's laptop. Anyone who referred to it was suspended, shadow banned, blocked or banned. Every trace of the Hunter Biden laptop story was ruthlessly expunged by named Twitter executives and they all, all a lie. Now, of course, Twitter is entitled to publish or not publish anything that it likes, but it is not entitled to conspire with officials of what was in certain states like Arizona, about which more later, and would soon become, as a result of their activities, the government of the United States of America. That becomes a criminal offence against the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America. It becomes a conspiracy to commit a criminal offence against the Constitution of the United States of America. It becomes, dear ladies and gentlemen, an act of treason against the United States. And whilst it's true that the BBC have not breathed a word of Twitter files or Elongate, as I like to call it, because he's the man that's opened the gates so that we can now all see what the man buns with the man bags in San Francisco were doing in charge of what they laughingly called the public square. Whilst it's true that the BBC, the Guardian, and the New York Times, and the Washington Post have not yet breathed the word of this scandal, this matter will now move into the courts of the United States. And probably, first of all, in Arizona. Arizona, you may recall, was a knife-edge contest where the counting suddenly stopped for many hours in the middle of the night and where, rather surprisingly, Donald Trump lost the election. Well, it turns out in the new revelations today in the Twittergate files that the high officials of the state of Arizona were literally hourly and certainly daily in touch with officials at Twitter to manipulate in a criminal way the circulation of truth, truthful information, which materially affected the result, even if nothing else did. And nothing else is unlikely to be all that happened in the case of Arizona. We'll be talking to a freedom rider in the United States about that in just a few minutes. But let me turn briefly as I must to Ireland, where my heart lies, my mother being herself Irish. Today, I learned that though a neutral country Though constitutionally bound to be a neutral country, a constitutional provision that is more honored in the breach than in the observance, as anyone who's ever been at Shannon Airport already knows, 
that the Irish state has entered into the Doyle a new bill with one single purpose, the purpose of banning the Chinese company Huawei from the marketplace in the Irish Republic. Now, I don't own a Huawei. I have nothing to do with Huawei. But I've got to ask this question. What did China ever do against Ireland? If the Irish politicians were entering bills which said, we want nothing to do with the United Kingdom because it hangs on to a small part of our country whose reunification we demand, I could understand that. I would think it was diplomatically and politically foolish, but if the Irish wanted to boycott and ban British products, they would have at least a logical case that they could make. They could say, the British held us in bondage for many centuries. They continue to hold on to one of our four green fields. We want nothing to do with Britain. I could understand that. But what did China do to you, Ireland? Why are you disfiguring your own face in order to please Joe Biden, the fake Irishman in Washington, and his NATO warmongering alliance, about which I close. I drive up and down the M6, it seems, several times a week. But today, I pass something that I never have seen before. You know the Bob Dylan song, Masters of War? It was ringing in my ears as I came upon a convoy of at least 30 military vehicles that looked like they were serious, that were gleaming, freshly painted, and armed to the teeth. I wondered what on earth this military movement could be. It was a convoy of British nuclear weapons. There they are there. Four of them in these trucks, guarded, each of them, by multiple military vehicles. And in that truck is the wherewithal to incinerate every single living thing on this island. I just tried to explain to my child when I showed him this picture that there would be nothing left in Britain if an accident or an act of terrorism had intercepted that convoy today, still less if the real terrorists in charge of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization were to unleash upon the world an exchange of these nuclear weapons in these trucks which would be answered in full 
and more than full by the Russian nuclear strike force with thousands of weapons at their disposal traveling hypersonically. Those missiles are on their way to Glasgow. Glasgow would be a heap of smoking ash in minutes of the unleashing of this nuclear missile that is there in front of you and is still driving now north up the M6 to Faslane outside Glasgow where I was once arrested for protesting their existence and tossed into the Greenock jail under a filthy excrement smeared blanket. My point is this. It's the one that Peter Hitchens made in his statement earlier today. Suez, Vietnam, Iraq were nothing like as important as the conflict that we are now deliberately entered into over a country whose whereabouts most of us don't know, whose cities none of us can pronounce, none of us can spell. And yet, our entry into this conflict spells the end for me, for you, for my children, for yours, for the children that they might have gone on to have. It spells the end of everything in Europe, in the world. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Did Twitter steal the 2020 presidential election? On my Twitter feed, it's yes, 79, no, 21. On YouTube, it's yes, 85, no, 15. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to my channel. Cost you nothing. Just click the button. And while you're at it, click the thumbs up to say that you like the show. And on Telegram, t.me forward slash George Galloway, always the most perspicacious of our poll uh, a community, it's yes, 84%, no, 16%. Now, Isa Ali is a freelance journalist and political analyst with a focus on Middle Eastern politics. We'll be coming to him 
in a bit because England are playing a rather important football match against Senegal this evening. First up is the Freedom Rider herself, Margaret Kimberley, writer and executive editor of Black Agenda Report. It's a must to follow her Twitter feed. Her output is phenomenal. She has a new book, which we'll talk about. But Margaret, we've got to speak first about Elon Musk and what he has now revealed. Thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Very nice to make your acquaintance. Um, this, although most of the country and the world doesn't yet know it, is a matter of the gravest significance, is it not? Oh, it's very grave. Uh, you know, we don't know how that election would have turned out had uh, uh, the information about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop been um, more widely known by the public. But that's the whole point, that we don't know. Uh, it was pretty clear to me when Twitter, I hadn't known Twitter to ban any other subject altogether to say that you couldn't link to this article, that the New York Post had to be removed. I don't recall anything of that magnitude before. So it was clear to me that they were working with the Biden campaign. That was obvious to anyone who was paying attention. And that's why I think it's so important that this information has now come out. Uh, the liberals, of course, are out in force. They they are um, uh, dismissing this information. They are uh, attacking uh, Matt Taibbi, the, the journalist who revealed this information. But that's what they do. They walk in lockstep with the Democratic Party. But the rest of us should not do that. The rest of us should question this. The rest of us should not be afraid to say that the Democrats are um, an arm of, or rather the big tech is an arm of the Democratic Party. And this is uh, something that uh, well, sure. is... Oh, absolutely. It's, it's very obvious. And uh, it's, it's very unfortunate for obvious reasons. But of course, it's still being politicized. We, what were we told in October of 2020? This is Russian disinformation. Now, mind you, Hunter Biden was silent. He never once denied that this was his laptop. He did not deny the email that said from an Ukrainian official to him, thank you so much. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, thank you so much for letting me meet your father, the vice president at the time as you point out. So we're talking about corruption. We are talking about uh, a major uh, media corporation taking obviously taking sides in a presidential election. Uh, these uh, big tech firms are very powerful, too powerful. I believe the, these social media platforms should be regulated as public utilities, not their content regulated, but their operations regulated so that they cannot do this anymore. But uh, we see why the other um, media giants that you mentioned, New York Times hasn't mentioned it. Of course, they're not going to mention it because they helped. They helped in the cover up too. And so this calls into question the very idea of democracy. Americans are always told we're a democracy, a democracy. And that means anything that shows we are, in fact, not a democracy has to be covered up. Well, you were told, uh, I read it a thousand times, that democracy was on the ballot <laughs> in the midterms. But it turns out that democracy was murdered by the Democrats. 
who were telling you that democracy is on the ballot two years later. Now, of course, any media house can take sides in an election. Almost all of them do. The problem is they were in cahoots with government officials, like the 51 intelligence uh, officers, mm -hmm. very senior ones, who named and their faces on the front page of the papers said that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation, but the disinformation was theirs. They are the people who deliberately deceived your country and its electorate. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that is where the, as you point out, where the First Amendment comes into play. Twitter can say what it wants. It can ban whomever it wants. But once they took direction from government officials, they violated the First Amendment. And that is why they didn't want anybody to know uh, about their actions. Uh, but this is not the first time. Uh, this has been going on, uh, I, especially since 26, the 2016 uh, election, the stories of Russian collusion, which have all been dis proven. And you don't have to be a Donald Trump supporter to point that out. We have had numerous instances of government officials um, telling the media what to say and what not to say. And we see the uh, people calling themselves journalists who are anything but they are violating the uh, ethics of their profession, and they're violating the law, violating the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. One of the things that we're always told makes a democracy a democracy, but it's uh, violated quite openly. So this is something that should concern everyone, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless how, of how they feel about Biden or about Trump. It is important for people to stand on principle, the principle of democracy that we're always told this country lives by. Quite so. I, I'm against Biden and Trump. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, as Malcolm said, uh, I, I'm for the truth. And for justice, no matter whom it's for, no matter whom it's against, that's the task for people like thee and me, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It should be, uh, regardless of our, and, and those of us who speak and write, we all have uh, opinions. We all take uh, positions on issues. That's what we're supposed to do. But we are not supposed to lie. We are not supposed to help the government uh, keep secrets from the people. But you see this pile on against Twitter, against uh, uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, the writer who is uh, telling this story. And, and by the way, the people attacking them, none of them are questioning the veracity of the information. It's personal attacks against him. It's attacks against Elon Musk. You can attack Elon Musk, but this is deceptive. This is dishonest. And we see a liberal class which is joined at the hip with the state. And all of the things that uh, liberals claim to believe in, they don't believe in. The people who are always talked about civil liberties, the people who always talked about freedom, they don't believe in it. They believe in their class. They believe in the politicians, the political party that they support. And everything else they claim to believe in is shoved under the bus when it's convenient. 
Well, uh, the great uh, journalist working out of Brazil these days, Glenn Greenwald, he <laughs> was making this very point uh, today, that what they are demonstrating, these uh, sleaze bags that are out there attacking Taibi, uh, attacking Musk. Musk is big enough to look after himself. I'm, I'm myself taking him to court. Uh, but the, the, the journalist, Taibi, uh, is a man of unimpeachable journalistic integrity. The whole liberal gang is now trashing him. Mm-hmm. And that's the point Greenwald is making. That, that uh, Well, I paraphrase now. Uh, that this is positively Orwellian. Lies are truth, war is peace. Uh, everything is turned on its head. People that are supposed to be and regard themselves around the, the dinner party tables as liberals and progressives who are absolutely joined at the hip with the FBI and the CIA and the deep organs of the military-industrial complex in the United States. And this is something, this is a moment where this is especially dangerous. I was listening to uh, what you were saying about what's going on in uh, your country and in Europe with Ireland giving up its neutrality to U.S. state power. Uh, Your country recently, in effect, making any large-scale protest illegal. But they do this because they want to silence people. Uh, They have driven the world to the brink in uh, Ukraine. They're trying to do the same thing in China, and they do not want anyone to speak out. So Ireland will attack Huawei when they don't have any reason to, uh, and uh, the UK uh, government will uh, make it difficult, if not impossible, to have any protest about nuclear weapons, about foreign policy, about any subject. And I hope people ask themselves, what are they up to that they don't want us to protest? What are they so afraid of that they don't want uh, uh, people in the public square registering their opinion about Ukraine or about Russia claiming Vladimir Putin is uh, uh, the nurses can't strike because of Vladimir Putin? Uh, This is where it all begins. And we're seeing this totalitarianism. We are always told comes from Russia or China or some other place. We're seeing it from the countries that always call themselves democracies. All the while, Margaret, uh, we're banning protests in Britain whilst hailing them in China. (laughs) You really couldn't uh, make it up. Let me turn to your wonderful book because uh, I I love your Freedom Radar blog. Everyone should follow it. Uh, This book is about the African-American population, the black population of America, and its relationship to the presidents. Some of the early ones, of course, of whom uh, kept black people as slaves. Yes, uh, my book, Presidential Black America and the Presidents, I, uh, it's uh, 45 chapters from George Washington through Trump telling the story of uh, uh, black history through the presidency. Uh, 12 of the 
first 14 presidents were slaveholders. Uh, after that time, we have uh, uh, presidents who were segregationists. We have uh, Harry Truman as a young man belonged to the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, we have presidents who we were told were quote unquote good for black people as the saying goes, uh, who did everything they could to subvert uh, the human rights of black people. We see even people like Barack Obama. Uh, the system is uh, does not allow anybody to rise to the presidency uh, unless they go along uh, with the establishment narrative. And Obama himself would uh, personally make very negative comments about black people. Uh, and his policies, he did not help black people. He would always dismiss uh, any um, request on his part to do any of the things that black people need and that as citizens, we had a right to ask for. Joe Biden, the current president, was a segregationist. He was the point person against busing uh, to achieve school uh, segre uh, desegregation, rather. He was the person who led the charge in the 90s against, uh, in favor of what was called the crime bill when he was a senator, passing this legislation which um, uh, increased mass incarceration. The U.S. has more people in prison than any country in the world, more than two million people. Um, and all the countries that we're told are bad are authoritarian, or dictatorships, none of them have a, as great a percent of their population uh, in jail as we do in this country. So uh, I felt it was very important for people to see uh, the presidents like Lincoln, who we were taught uh, wanted to end slavery. He did not. He wanted to send Black people out of the country. Or Franklin Roosevelt, who always sided with the Southern segregationists, or even John Kennedy, who had to be pushed, or Lyndon Johnson, who had to be pushed. Uh, so obviously, I think uh, the book is very good. So anyone interested in American history ought to read Presidential Black America and the Presidents. Where can people order it, Margaret? Uh, directly from the publisher, Steerforth Press, steerforth.com, from barnesandnoble.com, from Amazon, uh, from Audible. I, I narrate the book uh, myself, and it's also an ebook, which they can also get at steerforth.com. Well, look, I always say this, but I don't always mean it. It's actually been a privilege interviewing you this evening, Margaret Kimberly, the Freedom Rider blog. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Thousands of people are voting on this uh, Twitter poll. Did Twitter steal the 2020 presidential election? As revealed, actually, by Elon Musk, the much uh, criticized and indeed controversial magnate who paid $44 billion dollars for the company, and full disclosure against whom I have a legal action in the Dublin courts, because Dublin, believe it or not, is where they're headquartered. Dublin, the same Dublin, that has decided to make parliamentary legislative moves against the Chinese company Huawei for no discernible reason other than to please the United States of America. This at a time when Germany has told the United States that it will not be banning Huawei and has no intention of following Joe Biden off a second cliff, uh, not just Russia, but China as well. Uh, the telephone numbers I've given you already. Uh, comments on YouTube are uh, plentiful. Uh, Ricks195 says, get the humans counting the votes like we do here in Britain. 
not voting machines which can be rigged and programmed to favour a candidate. Well, even some of the humans are uh, dubious, if you ask me. Morn's lad says, Alan Swap, British colonialism for EU diktat. It is a very small stooge for both Brussels and Washington. So it just adapts anti-Russian and anti-Chinese uh, policies. Paul is on the line in Canada, in Ottawa, about Twitter. Go ahead, Paul. The reveal that Elon Musk did with, you know, showing that Twitter actually engaged in systematic cutdown of information that should have been, is at this point kind of irrelevant um, because we all know this. If you've been, if, if you had ears and eyes plugged into what was going on, we know that it has been authenticated, the laptop. So really to show that, well, well it's not, uh, Paul, 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 it's not irrelevant when people start getting arrested. And I fully expect arrests uh, to follow this. It's as clear, if the First Amendment means anything at all, it precludes officials of the government conspiring with the media to deny freedom of speech of the citizens. That's not just a crime, it's a conspiracy against the American people and their constitution. Am I not right? Absolutely, and I, I really hope you're right that arrest, but I personally don't think a scintilla of anything is going to happen to anybody. This is, I mean, we're speculating into the future. Believe me, I hope you're right, but I'm more of a skeptic about these uh, yahoos and that, that Elon Musk, I mean, if then he would be a hero in my mind if that's the outcome. I just don't think, because we all knew it was happening anyway. It has been authenticated. They're going into, uh, they could be hitting Facebook too. With a, if we really wanted to, we could. We didn't need to have the CR, the owner of the company, say, I'm going to reveal it. The courts could have said, why well, did sure, you? But the, but, the, but the evidence, well, because there's a new owner who's opened the books. And I think we have to be forever grateful to Musk. He could have covered all this up. He could have quit the whole Twitter imbroglio in the first place, just written off the losses. He is worth $300 billion after all. But he decided to open the books and open the floodgates of liberal fury against him. Uh, but there are plenty of places. I'm giving you one. Arizona. There'll be arrests in Arizona. That's my confident prediction, because high officials of the state of Arizona are revealed today to have been engaged in a conspiracy against their own people under the terms of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Paul, we'll see who's right. Thanks for that call. Rafael is in Costa Rica. I always like to tour the horizon. Raf, go ahead. I'm calling from Costa Rica, as you said, and basically I'd like to stress Mr. Galloway on the striking and at the same time revealing similarity I see between the case of the Twitter files by Elon Musk and the persecution that Julian Assange has had to endure for more than a decade. And I'd like to stress, yep. to, especially to the American audience, but actually to the, to the world as a whole, uh, on how the very same people that crafted 
the intelligence uh, process to persecute Assange are the same ones who, as you have very well said, uh, carried out the, the, the police state persecution and cover-up of the of the Twitter of the Twitter case uh, the, uh, reported by by Elon Musk on the 2020 election. Yeah, there's every similarity. Uh, the uh, Matt Taby is a truth teller, and he is in receipt of a deluge of filth from people that call themselves uh, liberals. Uh, Julian Assange, likewise. Sure, the New York Times and the Guardian and so on have made a very, very late and little uh, attempt to avoid Julian's extradition to the United States just in the last few days. All these newspapers, by the way, fed on the dripping roast of stories that Julian revealed through WikiLeaks of malfeasance, high crimes and misdemeanors of governments around the world, particularly of the war crimes of the so-called coalition of the killing in the Iraq war, the Afghan war, and so on. Uh, both these men are uh, receiving uh, the full measure uh, of, uh, of state fury at what they have done. And in Julian's case, his very life has been perhaps fatally undermined over these last years. And if he goes to the US to a hanging judge in, uh, in Arlington, Virginia, which is where he would be tried uh, with a jury of the peers of Arlington, who are, of course, the headquarters of the CIA, he will never be seen again. For the rest of his life, he'll be in a deep dungeon. And if people want to go quietly into that good night, uh, then you and I have done everything we can to try and stop them. So far, we have not succeeded. But I promise them that if Julian dies in a dungeon, then something even more precious than Julian Assange will have died with him. Uh, now, we're still unable to get uh, Isa Ali. Uh, apparently, there's some big game going on in, uh, in Doha, and all the phone lines, all the signals are jammed. But we'll do everything that we can to get him in the course of the second hour of the show. Let me read some more comments. Uh, Moriokiri says, Elon, the hero who called the Thai cave rescuer a pedo guy and offered $50,000 to dig up dirt on him for calling Elon's plan a PR stunt. I'm not sure why you would direct that to me, the man that is taking him to court in Dublin. Uh, what you say may or may not be true, but what is incontestably true, is that he published the Twitter files. Try to see the big picture here. Try not to concentrate on the smaller hill that is obscuring your view. Stand up straight, lift your head, throw back your shoulders. Try and see the big picture and stop being so stupid. Uh, super uh, more. Uh, we've got loads of them, but let me take a call from Stuart in Scotland on media and on Twitter. Stuart, go ahead, my friend. 
Uh, I'm just calling up. See, uh, you're talking about Iraq and uh, the disinformation and whatnot. Do you not think that uh, the these so-called uh, is it ultrasonic missiles or something like that Russia has is uh, a bit of disinformation? Hi- hypersonic, yeah. Hypersonic, yeah. Hyperson- you think they're disinformation? Well, really? They, well, I think I think uh, all the weapons that the West has, and then the weapons that Russia has, I think we've got a bit of a cheek to be pointing the finger and going, well, you can't have these and whatnot just because they've outgunned us. No, uh, there's no cheek involved, Stuart. I have spent my whole life trying to get rid of all nuclear weapons, including the ones uh, somewhere near you uh, that uh, would spell the end for everybody near you. I got thrown in jail for it. So uh, I'm against these weapons, whomsoever holds them. I'm against uh, war and uh, invasion, whomsoever's doing the war and invading. And so I, I fail to see your point. It is NATO that is uh, caused the war in Ukraine, unless you're one of the dwindling number who thinks that one morning Vladimir Putin woke up and decided to invade his next-door neighbour. Are you one of those? No, no, I'm not one of those, George. Actually, I believe that we are the cause of that. Uh, but I believe that uh, what, what we see is disinformation. You talked about uh, the censoring of uh, freedom of speech and whatnot. I've got a, a few accounts on social media, and whenever I talk about this thing, about the disinformation and about how we are only given one uh, narrative of the story, you know, like... That I'm I'm shut down. I've had my I'm actually on a 29-day block on my Facebook because I commented on something in America uh, that was happening in America, and it was relative to the the story that was happening in America. But because we have certain words in this country that are triggered on social media, instantly you get blocked. It's not even you're not even you can't even appeal that because it's a computer that does it. Our our censorship in in the UK is. Because we don't have the was it the Second Amendment they have in in America or the First Amendment that protects their freedom of speech, we don't have this in this country. No, well they've got uh, no, that's right. Uh, on the face of it, America is a freer country than we are. Uh, that never used to be true uh, in practice. But we had no constitution. We have no constitution. That'll surprise a lot of the overseas listeners, watchers. We have no constitution. We have no Bill of Rights. We are not even citizens here, Stuart. We are subjects. That's what we are officially called. We are subjects of big daft Charles, King Charles. We're his subjects. We have no rights. Now, in practice, we used to be able to exercise rights, like protest, like free speech, as long as we could find a soapbox and a megaphone because we wouldn't get on the television or in the newspapers to express our point of view. But all of that is disappearing. As I said earlier to uh, Margaret Kimberley, we are praising protests in China whilst literally banning protests in Britain. Our country's gone to the dog, Stuart. No, you've not been cut off. You're on. Carry on. <laughs> no, no, I 100% agree with you about, uh, about our freedom of speech being totally uh, tainted. Because what's happening is, I think we're getting one side of the story, and then if you speak out against that side of the story, uh, then automatically you're banned. You know, you're automatically you're shut down straight away, you know. And I think that's how we're not getting the full picture. 
you know, like speaking about Ukraine and Russia, we're not getting the full picture from them because because of our media, you know, like and you're saying about America, the First Amendment. Well, that's a fact. Look, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't have, yeah, we don't have that. Uh, and this uh, technology has never been greater. There's never been more media attention on a war with less actual footage of the war. Think about it. The Vietnam War had far more footage for the public to see than the Ukraine war does. Our coverage is total propaganda and a good measure of invention. Let me take a quick break. I get a lot of abuse from people in America that don't listen properly. They imagine that because I am viscerally hostile to Joe Biden and the so-called Democrats, that that means I'm a supporter of the Republicans and of Donald J. Trump. Neither of those is true. I'm not with either of these two big parties, two cheeks of the same backside. Even if we could agree which was the lesser attractive cheek, I still wouldn't be prepared to choose between them. I'm one of those that calls on, let me do so again here now, my good friend Jimmy Dore to run as a third party candidate for the People's Party of America for a third force to emerge. That's what I want to see in America. And I'm more than happy to give whatever advice and experience that I myself have to any people of goodwill who want to build that third force. As I've said before, if my good friend, Dr. Jill Stein, were to be the Green Party nominee again, I would, of course, support her for President of the United States. If Tulsi Gabbard would run as an independent presidential candidate, I would support her. I would not be happy to see Donald Trump back in the White House, but I'd be very, very happy if Joe Biden wasn't. I'd be very, very happy if Kamala Harris wasn't, even if that meant that Donald Trump would have another term as president of the United States. You see my point? I regard the US Democrats as the greatest threat to peace on the planet. I believe that the world is much more dangerous with Biden and Harris and the Democrats in power. And therefore, I'd be happier if anybody could replace them as president of the United States. Doesn't mean I've become a Republican, at least not a US Republican. It doesn't mean I've become Trumpist or a devotee of the great orange Hulk. I'm not either of those things. But I've got to tell you, I think Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are a clear and present danger to the American Republic. And even more importantly, from my point of view, a clear and present danger to the peace of the world. Avoid World War III. Get rid 
of Joe Biden. You are listening to the mother of all talk shows with George Galloway. That's what I thought last week. I think even more uh, now. That was on Wednesday that went out for the first time. And it's Sunday. And the clear and present danger to the American Republic, represented by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the so-called Democratic Party of the United States, is even more vividly obvious, at least to me. England are winning 3-0. And when we get him on the line, Isa Ali will tell us about the continuing political ramifications, reverberations uh, of, uh, of the decision to send the World Cup to Qatar in the first place. I've just watched the Netflix documentary on FIFA, and uh, I'd like to hear what Isa has to say about that. But some calls first. Raphael, another second Raphael of the night, this one in Vermont in the United States. Raphael, welcome to the show. I want to say something that I see the media is not saying anything about it. Even the even like our independent media is for the past this for the past few days, big things are happening and people are not I don't know if they don't understand. Russia is putting together one of the largest military base in 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 that uh, in that area, they just in Manupol, Manupol. So we're talking about a base almost 500 miles from Moscow. So that means they got everything they wanted, that line of protection they wanted. So once you put that base there, so they're gonna put that they're gonna put their S700 there. So that means all Europe gonna be covered so so it seems like people don't see what's happening like yesterday one of i don't know if this is like a american submarine or a british submarine they got like one of those torpedoes that 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 flew by it at a speed that they never seen before so that means things is happening Russia is moving forward. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, yeah, I'll tell you what's happening, uh, Raphael. Uh, Russia has multiply uh, been invaded from the West through the territory that is now Ukraine, but was formerly Russia and then uh, formerly part of the Soviet Union. Don't forget, Kiev was the capital of Russia. Yeah, not a lot of people know that, as Michael Caine would say. The Queen Mother... Uh, in the last days of, uh, of Nicholas and Alexandra, uh, had uh, taken herself off to her, her palace in Kiev. Uh, and multiple times, most notably by Napoleon and then by Adolf Hitler, uh, Russia has been invaded from the West. Given that the Soviet Union no longer exists and the big hinterland uh, that... Uh, was uh, what the Soviet Union represented. The uh, NATO forces, if they'd wanted to invade, would have had to fight their way through socialist Poland and uh, socialist Ukraine. Uh, given that that's no longer the case, Russia's two major cities, 
biggest cities, most important cities, St. Petersburg and Moscow, are dangerously close to the border with NATO. And as Macron has belatedly and publicly stated today, that's a legitimate security concern that has to be negotiated away. Uh, and as Scott Ritter just told us, if it had been last December, so 12 months ago, there would have been no war in Ukraine. But now that there is, it's too late to say, let's get round a table and discuss what we refused to discuss 12 months ago, because, of course, trust is broken, as Scott Ritter said, and Russia will not take anything that Macron or Schultz or whoever the latest Prime Minister of Britain is, I almost forget myself, we've had so many in these last months, or Joe Biden, who's here today, gone tomorrow, and might not even actually be all there uh, today. That's the situation that we're in. Raphael, thanks uh, indeed for that call. We now have our man in Doha, Isa Ali, the writer and analyst on the line. I hope with pictures. Uh, let's see. Isa, thanks. Uh, finally, we were able to get you. England are through uh, quite comfortably, 3 nothing up at the moment. France now await them. Uh, that's not going to be easy, either for England or for uh, France. But I'm not so uh, interested in the actual football games, though by all means give me uh, your thoughts on that. But I just watched the Netflix documentary on FIFA, and here's my take. If FIFA had not given the World Cup to South Africa, then Russia then Qatar, they would have saved themselves a hell of a lot of trouble. If they'd given the World Cups to England and America, as was confidently expected and fought for, none of the negativity around FIFA today would be present. That's my take. What's yours? Hey, George, great to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Look, at the end of the day, uh, the attitude towards FIFA and its uh, previous president, Sepp Blatter, is similar to the attitude that these people have uh, portrayed or displayed towards Qatar, the host of this World Cup, which is that, as far as they seem to be concerned, uh, this is an Anglophone world. Uh, only Anglophone nations exist, only Western nations exist. Everything should be centered around them. They need to realize the World Cup is the World Cup. There's a big world out there. And European and North American populations make up maybe 10% uh, of the world's population, if that. And uh, as a result, they're not the center of everything. And they're not going to get everything. And they're not going to host everything as much as they'd like to host the World Cup every four years. Now, you know, there are people who have said, uh, you know, Qatar has no football pedigree, has no football history. Why is it hosting this World Cup? I'd counter that and say, what football pedigree does Canada have? What football pedigree does the United States have? None. Zero. Zilch. And yet they're hosting the next World Cup. In 94, the US hosted the World Cup. Their football heritage was even less back then. So, you know, this documentary is simply uh, just more of an attack against uh, particularly the previous uh, FIFA administration. And of course, uh, the intention is to undermine the legitimacy of 
this World Cup and, of course, the one in Russia as well. Two of the best tournaments ever held. Uh, you know, I was at both of them. Uh, I covered the first one as a journalist. I'm here more in a, uh, uh, let's say, a pleasure capacity than uh, business. But the organization of this one has been unbelievable. And uh, the fact that everything's so close to each other is a real model because all the stadiums are max half an hour, an hour away from each other. People are going to two games in one day. People are able to go from their hotel to any stadium. Uh, you're not spending money getting a plane or a train to another place or another hotel uh, for another city. So you can spend that money on tickets for matches. So it's been a really great experience, well organized. And uh, yeah, you know, they've finally got their turn. They'll have it in 2026. Let's see if the United States with its crumbling infrastructure is any uh, way, shape or form able to put a tournament on as well as this one. And might I add as well, the one that was held in uh, 2018 in Russia as well. Yeah, and, and maybe the press crew will start asking questions about the American torture camp in Guantanamo, the American invasions and occupations of literally four dozen countries since the Second World War, or maybe not. Uh, it looks to me like a well-organized World Cup, and the absence of drunkenness seems to me to have been appreciated by those uh, foreign visitors who did go. Is that your take? Absolutely. I think people have seen those stories of uh, English ladies who have come here. There's one lady in particular whose quote has gone viral, and she said that, uh, I haven't been uh, catcalled once, I haven't been wolf-whistled at once, I haven't been harassed uh, or sexually you know, abused or assaulted or anything like that. Not once has anything like that happened. She puts it down to both, of course, the lack of alcohol in and around the stadiums and generally, and of course as well, the culture, the conservative and traditional culture here in uh, Qatar. But of course it goes uh, uh, further than that as well. You know, again, you know, these uh, media organizations are very myopic in their view of the world. And many of them will come here. They'll stay in their hotels in the Pearl or in West Bay. Uh, they may not even, you know, these media figures and these media executives and lovey-doveys, they may not even get a chance to mix with uh, local Qataris or local, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of Kerala's here, there are a lot of people from the Philippines, there are a lot of people from different countries here. How much interaction are these people actually having? Or are they just all, you know, tucked away in their little ghettos, far away from everyone else, refusing to integrate? We always hear about that term, don't we? They, they don't want to integrate, they're not learning the language, they're not trying to learn about the local culture. Uh, we need to uh, instill Qatari values in them. And maybe, uh, you know, do it at the school level as well. Make sure the kids who are here all know about those as well. But of course, in a serious kind of level, it's, you know, the world's moving on. And the Western world and the North American world needs to understand you're going to be left behind. And especially if you keep treating people who uh, and nations who, to put it bluntly, have all the world's energy. You're going to treat them in such an arrogant way. You're already sanctioning yourselves with regards to Russia you're going to be in for a really tough time. So maybe a little more humility, humble yourselves and uh, start to treat people as a, on an equal playing field rather than with this you know, neo-colonial attitude that stubbornly refuses to die. Well, the London mayor uh, refused to allow Qatar to advertise their World Cup that everybody in London is watching uh, because of uh, their perception of Qatar's views on, on the rainbow uh, issues. Uh, why should Qatar invest billions in London when their money isn't even 
allowed to buy a billboard on the underground. Well, absolutely. Look, I mean, what I mean, what does Qatar own? They own some of the most iconic parts of, you know, London's skyline. They own Harrods. They, uh, they, they have a number of investments. And I don't know. I, I don't have that kind of insight. But maybe there are people here who are looking at it and thinking, hang on a second, we've bailed out your national airline. We bailed out British Airways. Next time we just won't. We'll leave you to it. Let's see how well you get on. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a classic example of shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, the, the Westerners, that is, in particular the, uh, uh, in England as well, in, in the United Kingdom. Now, it's important here as well to note that that's not a reflective of the people of the United Kingdom. So firstly, you saw when the BBC refused to play the opening ceremony, all the outrage was from British people. They had enough of this virtue signalling nonsense. They wanted to watch the opening ceremony. And secondly, the English people that live here, who are, you know, quote-unquote expats, English migrants who live here, all of them, all of them have come out swinging and saying this is not, the media campaign is not a reflection of Qatar. It's not a reflection of the place where we've made our home. This place is safe. It's clean. It's, you know, you can come here and make a good life for yourself. And that's also what the people who actually are coming to Qatar for the World Cup are saying as well. Actually, you know, um, I don't think many of them are pleasantly surprised because if they travelled here, they probably knew it was going to be fine. But they're saying it's great. All you people sitting at home talking about how terrible it is, you haven't actually been here. You probably never travelled to the Middle East, let alone to Qatar. So... You know, we also have to make sure that we understand that what the regimes in the West and maybe the media organizations in the West are saying and doing are not reflective of what the people of those countries are doing. And actually, I say regimes. Rishi Sunak came out, I think it was today, and said that this is one of the best organized World Cups. So even he's full of praise for it. So I think these media organizations need to catch up with the pulse of their own people and their own governments and of the people who are actually living and traveling to this part of the world. Germans uh, should have done their talking on the pitch uh, rather than and that's what Arsene Wenger holding yep. their hands. Arsene Wenger said it well. He's a wise man, Arsene Wenger. I can now concede now that he's no longer the manager of Arsenal. Isa Ali, thank you for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Let me get some calls in. Melvin is in New York and wants to talk about Twitter. Melvin, go ahead, brother. All right. Nice to talk to you again. But on this one, I have to disagree with you uh, on this one part. Most of it I agree with you on, but this one part, I actually don't think anything is actually going to happen to anybody with any actual power. And the reason I have for that is if you look over the last 20 years of my country, how we've degraded our legal system, uh, I could pull up numerous points of how we've degraded our legal system. One I talked about before on your show, where we talked about how the police no longer have the, have to protect you, you know, where it used to be that they used to have the motto of serve and protect. A lot of things like that. But there's also one other aspect I'll throw in. About a year ago, um, right before our teen uh, America was canceled, they had, uh, I think it was a few months beforehand, they had uh, some guys that were actually coming on that were ex-military or military that were whistleblowers about us actually supporting supporting terrorists and, and things like that through our government. That is a, is a call for treason. When you pay a terrorist to kill our own troops, that's treason to our people. And nothing has happened. There's been no investigation or anything. 
So honestly, I, I, I wish it was that there'd be investigations and that people would actually go to prison that have committed crimes. But when it comes to those powerful people in the United States, I just don't see it anymore. Well, of course, there's always the last straw that breaks the camel's back, uh, Melvin. I happen to think that uh, some of these statewide uh, government officials and some of these ex-Twitter executives will be arrested over this. That's my view. Thanks for the call. Mikio is in Germany and wants to talk about Germany. Mikio, welcome to the show. Hello, George. Uh, so honored to be able to talk to you now. Please excuse my English. It's obviously not my first language. Anyways, um, you've been a great source of inspiration above all hope, and I assure you there are a lot of German people out there that feel the same. <laughs> I was, by the way, uh, the one requesting you to apply for German citizenship that you respectfully declined, oh, and I don't okay. blame you at all. Okay. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, just, you, you suggested... You know, I'm, too old, I'm too old to change my spots. You can't, <laughs> okay. you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Go ahead. Right. Um, you suggested in your answer to my latest super chat that getting rid of Schultz is the way to go, and I couldn't agree more. But my question to you is, Given the fact that we in Germany have basically four parties, who at least concerning international geopolitics stand as one, and we have a far left party below 5% who is being seemingly more busy coping with internal matters than anything else, and a far right party who is an outcast party basically that is for one infested by internal informants of the Verfassungsschutz and that will not take government given the fact that all other parties pledge not to coalesce with them. So what options do the German people actually have to change this devastating course? Well, I mean, uh, it's not for me to uh, dictate to German people about their politics, uh, and I'm not qualified to do it in any case. But uh, I would have supported, if I were living in Germany, I'd never be a German, but if I was living in Germany, I'd be in the Die Linke party, though I fully ex accept uh, that it too has a number of problems. But it has, uh, and did have, uh, until comparatively recently, a mass base, particularly in the east of the country, but also uh, in West Berlin and uh, in some other industrial areas that had a trade union base. Uh, that uh, could and should have been built upon. So I'd probably be with, uh, with Die Linke. Uh, I've got to tell you, there are lots of countries in the West uh, that don't have uh, Die Linke and who are uh, obviously in an even worse situation. But the one thing that you cannot do, and we cannot do, is get into the game of picking the lesser of two evils of the established parties and backing them. First of all, because it is increasingly impossible to discern which of the two is the lesser evil. In the Democrats and the Republicans, in Labour, in the Conservatives, in the Christian Democrats and the Social Democrats in Germany, it is impossible to say that one is less evil than the other, and if I were to tell you my honest opinion, I'd have to say I think that Merkel is less evil than Schultz. 
I think that, uh, that uh, the Conservatives and the Republicans are less evil than the Labour Party and the uh, Democrats are. Uh, only marginally, and both are evil, but let's not get into that game because if you back what you say is the lesser of two evils, evil still wins. And the, uh, the center of gravity moves further towards evilness if evil keeps winning. So I don't know what you can do, Mikio. I just know what you can't do. And I hope that you won't. Thanks for that call and your kindness. Morpheus X says, don't worry, the five eyes will fight till the last Ukrainian and then the last European. They also intend to fight till the last Taiwanese, Chinese, Japanese, South Korean, Asians in ASEAN and even the last Indian. It is indeed a remarkable thing. But they are experiencing setbacks. Not just the military situation on the battlefield in Ukraine, as Scott Ritter so powerfully, peerlessly outlined for us earlier uh, in the show. Uh, but in Taiwan, for example, they just were comprehensively routed in the elections in Taiwan. The pro-US, pro-separatist party, which wants Taiwan to declare its independence from China, was routed. And uh, the Taiwan people chose unity. Now, it doesn't mean that the reunification of China is going to take place anytime soon. But it does mean that the final rupture that would have led to war between Taiwan and China is now not going to happen. Sing hallelujah. My good friend Liz Hill says, Dear George, best wishes as always from Malcolm Byrne and me in the US. We appreciate everything you do every week. Much love to you, to the gorgeous Gayatri and your beautiful children. Liz and Malcolm, I love you both very much. And Malcolm's uh, show is really something. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner, you know. And I've been on his show. How about that? Uh, Galloway Raider gives £89.99. Merry Christmas, George. Raider, that's the best Christmas present I've had yet. Thank you. Jordan Kaiser gives two US dollars. Your opening intro is the best. Thank you, Jordan. Mokovich gives one US dollar. Roger Asai gives 200 US dollars. Happy birthday, Randy. That's Randy Kerdico. I think you would have liked this guy with the same last name as our childhood neighbor. Randy, I'm sure you're watching. You always are. Uh, you'll know who Roger is talking about. God bless you, Roger. Thank you for that phenomenal donation. Aposimiosi gives five British pounds. Could you please talk about the rapid collapse of German industry and their attempts to keep the EU afloat by seizing Rosneft and Russian state assets? Yeah, we've dealt many times with the... It's not just forcing the Germans to commit economic self-harm. Factories are being unscrewed from the floor and taken away, in some cases to China, but in some cases to the United States. And even German workers are now being offered green cards to resettle in the United States where, hey, energy is cheaper. Can you believe 
the chutzpah of that. You blow up the Nord Stream pipeline and then tell German industry and industrial workers to come to America because energy is cheaper. Linda Petit gives £10. Thank you, Linda. Father Christmas X gives £5. Love the show. Uh, Daniela Modos Kutter gives £3.49. Conrad VFR750 gives £5. Isn't the solution to Facebook and Twitter censorship to not use it? Well, <laughs> how am I going to talk to you then? Where are you going to find me then? Rudolf Grasspointer gives five euros. Eight million plus citizens fled Ukraine 1990 to 2020. Why see demographics of Ukraine? Pat Daly gives 20 euros. Thank you, Pat. And Paco's Human says, thank you for a great perspective. Very good discussion. Amazing what the US media shows or doesn't about the games in Qatar. Let's go to line one to talk to Lima in Manchester. Need to be a quick call, Lima, but please fire yeah. away. Okay, I'll try and make it quick. So I just want your honest opinion again regarding the political prisoner, Julian Assange, in the heart of our own city in London, Belmarsh Prison, and uh, the new situation with the Australian Prime Minister's uh, what he talked, what he mentioned, and Elon Musk uh, vote, you know. Um, so what's your opinion on this? What What do you feel about it? And is there any hope for the, is there any hope for us? There is, because there is hope. Is. There is hope. There is hope. Where there's life, there's hope. Julian is hanging on in there. His good wife and children and father and mother and siblings are fighting hard for him. And some of the finest people on the earth are fighting for Julian Assange. People like Randy in, uh, in the United States, Malcolm Byrne, uh, on his show we've spoken uh, many times about the Julian Assange case. Roger Waters, probably the most eminent, certainly the most famous, but so many others. Some of the finest people on earth are fighting for Julian Assange because he's worth it. Now, I don't include the Prime Minister of Australia as amongst the finest people in the world, but belatedly, the Australian government is getting involved, and Australia is a part of the Five Eyes. Australia is an AUKUS ally of the United States. Australia could solve this matter. Australia could open the key to Belmarsh Jail and allow uh, Julian Assange to go free. And it has a duty and a responsibility to do so. Uh, the legal team of Assange are now moving the legal battle to the uh, European court, which still, of course, uh, Britain is a part of the European Court of Human Rights. It's nothing to do with the EU. We were in it before we joined the EU. We were amongst the people that set it up and we're still in it. And that uh, will delay, of course, the extradition of Julian, but not solve the problem of his ongoing incarceration in Belmarsh, which is killing him. I mean, literally killing him. We may, God forbid, we may wake up one morning to hear on the radio uh, that the world historic publisher and journalist and political prisoner 
Julian Assange, has expired, has passed away in a British jail. It will be a mark of shame upon Britain forevermore. So I say to the Australian Prime Minister, to the British Prime Minister, I say even to the President of the United States, listen, if not to me and other champions of Julian, listen to the New York Times and the Guardian and Le Figaro and the other, uh, Der Spiegel and the other big newspapers in the world who've just asked you to drop these charges. Listen to them if you will not listen to better people like the great Roger Waters. Look, it's been marvelous for me and I hope it was for you, but that's all I've got time for. Don't forget my roadshow in Sunderland on Tuesday the 7th of February. You can still get tickets for that. And uh, don't forget that I'll be back here, God willing, on Wednesday for the midweek mother of all talk shows. Brought to you, sponsored by my good friend Ravi in Critical Cosmetics. And if you can sponsor the second hour of that show, get in touch, why don't you? 